So I fixed our dryer. Oh, yeah? Have you ever fixed any appliances before? Uh, no. We currently have a faulty ice maker in our fridge, and I've just started buying ice mm. from the gas station. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a little over over my head. But I'm not exactly uh, Mr. Fix-It, but I have YouTube, and I follow instructions well. And so I feel like there are certain things I can do that and and the dryer is one of those things so we've had this set the samsung set for like six years i've already replaced the heating element once in it uh and it was kind of a pain but it wasn't too bad you did that i did that yeah yeah um i've also replaced the heating element in our oven a couple times too so it's not it's not too tricky you could offer but your services again, up to Midway, the greater Midway metropolitan area. It's a heating uh, element replacement <laughs> expert. Pretty much, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you're pretty pretty close to the to the extent of my knowledge. But so so anyway, so I already replaced the heating element on this thing once, and then this past summer it started like squeaking, like making a, a squeaky noise, and I was like, oh god. And so then I like looked into what it would take to like replace the belt. And it seemed way more complicated than just replacing the heating element. So I just put it off, put it off. And then finally, like in October, the heating element went out again. And I was like, all right, time for a new dryer. (laughs) I was like, I already placed the heating element once. You know, this thing's six years old. It's squeaking. You know, I just, I don't feel like dealing with it again. Just buy a new dryer. So. We went to Costco where America shops and, uh, and bought a new dryer. And so everything was good. And then it was like going to be two weeks until they could deliver it. So, I mean, you know, you have a family of four. I mean, it's hard to go (laughs) two two weeks without being able to dry clothes, right? Especially in the winter. You can't exactly put them out on a clothesline like you can in Memphis. So... So then it was like, all right, well, I'm just going to order the heating element and replace the heating element because we need a dryer. So you go on Amazon, it's like $15 for a new heating element. I get a new heating element, fix the dryer and it's still squeaking, but you know, we could dry clothes. So we do that for like a week. The new dryer comes, get that installed, take, and our, 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 uh, laundry room is upstairs. Come in further into the story later. So. They install the new dryer in the in the space upstairs. They carry the old dryer downstairs, put it in the garage. So everything's good. Uh, the new dryer pretty much sucks. It was like we didn't spend a whole bunch of money on it. It was like a cheap whirlpool. I mean, it's fine. It dries the clothes, but it's just, you know, it's basically the same kind of dryer that we had when we were children. I mean, I don't why, speak uh, for you, but. Why, uh, going back, it's so why, so they didn't take it away. They just put it in your garage. Well, no. So, so my thought was, let's just save it. We can either, you know, part. So either, you know, we'll give it away or maybe somebody want to take it and, and fix it up. Or my father-in-law was coming in like two weeks. Maybe he'll want to fix it and then we can sell it or something. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's, it's, so it's, it's, just, it's very much the way my dad would think about this whole process. So that's why I continue. <laughs> Right. Okay. Okay. And I mean, cause it's, it's a perfectly fine dryer. It's six years old. It just needs a new belt and a new, or I've already did the heating element, you know, so it's halfway there. We just need to fix the belt. So the old dryer or this new dryer, we're not big fans of it's loud. It's, you know, 
dials, doesn't have buttons. It's a pain. The kids can't reach the controls. Like, cause our, our old dryer, like had the control was on the front sort of the dryer. The kids could press the buttons, start things. So that was all good. But so, um, so anyway, father-in-law comes, we get the pieces to repair the, dr- the dryer. He repairs the dryer and it's like, okay, so what do we do now? Uh, let's give it a go. I mean, I'd rather have this old dryer that is, you know, it's probably better quality six years old than this new cheap one we bought. So I'm going to give it a go. We, so we bring it back upstairs, install it, install it. It works. Everything's good. Great. Take the new one back downstairs. And Rachel's like, let's not get rid of it yet. You never know what might happen. Just, you know, so so can I ask you know, a question at this? Can I ask a question at this point? Uh, sure. Yeah. Why did you take it upstairs? Did so you you didn't test it in the garage? You just took it right upstairs without testing you, it. I mean, we don't have a, a Tesla, so I don't have one of those kind of outlets where you can plug a dryer into. Oh, that's right. Specialized uh, outlets. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Good. So Continue. yeah, yeah. So we had to take it upstairs to even test it, and it worked. So it was good. We hooked it all up. Brought the new dryer back downstairs. Just going to hold on to it for a few weeks, make sure everything's good with the, the old dryer repaired. So everything's good. Got the old dryer cooking. It's a little noisy and just can't tell if maybe it's because we haven't used it in a while and like we're just a little more sensitive to it or whatever. Well, it's like progressively gets a little bit noisier until one night we're downstairs watching TV and the dryer's running and it sounds like it's about to like fly off of the... The, off the balcony onto the first floor is like I was like run, running upstairs to stop it before something gets damaged. So, all right, well I guess we got to bring we got to bring the new one back back upstairs from the garage and take the old one somewhere. So, all right, I was like I'm not taking the old one back downstairs. I'm going to take it apart and see what I can see. Right. Okay. So get the new one back upstairs (laughs) hooked up. (laughs) We've got a functioning dryer and now we have this old dryer that was repaired by my father-in-law, but is now sounds like it's, you know, falling apart inside. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe something got loose. Maybe he didn't screw something back in. Maybe it's a simple fix. Right. So, and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm like, you know, 20% of a, like an expert on dryers at this point. So I'm, I fancy myself, you know, I can figure it out. So I take it apart and within 30 seconds with the flashlight, I see what has happened. The, the rollers on which the drum of the dryer roll have just become, have gotten shredded. So something has happened to get them out of alignment and those have gotten shredded. Or they were faulty when we put them in because that was one of that was what we had to replace was the rollers. So so the new rollers have have been shredded, and so Rachel's all up in arms because you know we bought these things and these these replacement pieces and they failed immediately. So we get a replacement replacement piece from Amazon for the rollers, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. So I take it apart and discover that uh my father-in-law who is 10 times the repairman a 100 times the repairman that i will ever be i mean he he built this room that i'm sitting in right now basically <laughs> hung, hung the door built the wall i mean he is you know he is a 
highly skilled um, pick-up man. I think he's going under the bus here in a second, though. He he forgot to put two washers back on <laughs> where the rollers went. Because as I watched the video on YouTube, they showed very clearly how you take it apart, and there's a washer on each side of where the the roller and the nut and the and the bolt go on the bulkhead. And uh, so so it was missing one. So I went to Lowe's, got a replacement washer, put them back together, put the dryer back together, put the new replacement replacement rollers on. And, and, and so tonight I sealed it all back up and, you know, Lord willing and the Creek don't rise. It's going to go back in its spot and, and, and not fall apart again. So. Wow. So to recap, um, I mean, there's so many layers to this in terms of the, I applaud you for your effort to fix it. What's even better is I think as far as I know, you have a, a, good relationship with your father-in-law correct oh yeah yes 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 i'm so, never going to mention to him that he screwed up no, yeah because i'm sure he's a regular, i'm sure he's a regular listener uh, <laughs> but um i enjoy that it's you know it's all I, I like my father-in-law too but there is a certain joy in being able to best him every once in a mm, while mm-hmm. in terms of in, in uh, the eyes of your of your wife <laughs> no 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 just in my own mind like <laughs> just right. able, able to just say aha you know, you, you've, you've given me so much unsolicited advice. It's wonderful that I can best you on one thing here. Um, so that, 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 that's part of it too, but also yeah. The, yeah, the physical labor of, uh, right. of flipping. Um, you guys must, must be yoked at the, by this point. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if you've ever worked with a, a washer, you know, washer or dryer. It's essentially like doing surgery on a, on a, like a Pepsi can. You know, I mean, it's, like the, it's just like, I've like slices all over my fingers everywhere oh, from wow. you know doing the work. So um, the, uh, we had some friends in town over the weekend for International Blues Challenge, and it's a uh, gal that Jen grew up with, and her son is ten, and he's a really outstanding guitar player. And so he played in the Blues Challenge at like a youth showcase. At again, if you're going to come to Memphis, you might as well play at Jerry Lawler's Barbecue on Beale Street, and. Um, he was a school in a school of rock band. So anyway, so he played and they came over before they left town and he ended up playing hide and seek with my son. And all I hear at one point in time is like, get out of the dryer. <laughs> and it just blew my mind because my child would never climb in the dryer like at all. Mm. So this kid who's older than Presley, like jumped in the dryer and his dad was standing there and he looked at me and it was like, I'm just impressed that he climbed, that, that he fit. And I was like, <laughs> actually, that was my first thought. As long as he didn't break anything, I think that's pretty amazing. So anyway, yeah. that's uh, funny. Um, well, let's talk some uh, panic and apply. What do you say? Hey, this is Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters. And this podcast is part of the Osiris podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and music. Osiris works in partnership with Relics. Check them out for all kinds of new music, news, and information. Osiris.
Welcome in to episode 98 of The Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Kolath. And thanks for joining us as we take our uh, some our occasional journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Um, Jeff, we are, you know, a couple weeks after Panic in La Playa. So we're going to do a little bit of a recap of that. There's um, the, the Beacon Theater shows are, are on the horizon. Um a lot of a lot of things happening in the world right now, <laughs> to say to say the least. But I was thinking about that today. There's a we've got eight shows: five at the Beacon, three at the Chicago Theater, um, coming up between now and uh, the beginning of April, which, or as I like to say, between now and the and Passover. So um, we have a lot going on, and uh, so we'll have lots to talk about. And uh, we're coming up on episode 100 too, or 100, comma too um so that we uh might have some uh, i don't know what we're gonna do i think we've got some special music to play but uh we should get some special get more special guests in here yeah and we're uh we're coming up on mardi gras it's not too far away uh, lots of things going on um i do want to say before we get into this i want to give a little bit of a shout out to a, a fellow osiris uh media uh peoples um, i discovered this there's a new podcast um, it is called 36 from the vault and it just started January 15th was the first episode. They're going to do, it uh, looks like bi-weekly, uh, releases and it is, uh, Stephen Hyden and Rob Mitchum and they, uh, every episode are going to break down the Dick's picks one at a time. Oh, wow. So they did, um, they've done volumes one and two so far and it 12, is really- 12, 12 1973 yeah. and uh 10 31 71 you got it so <laughs> um that was i started I, I just like stumbled upon it and i listened to volume two first um yeah. and it's really good the guys are they're really in, uh, they're, they're funny and entertaining but they're very smart musically and like knowledge knowledge knowledgeable about the dead and not too geeky, but like enough to like have some good anecdotes and stuff like that. So it was, it was very enjoyable. Um, I think the, the process is you listen to the show first. They don't really play, they don't play any of the music from the recording. Um, so listen to the, sh- to the, you know, to the Dick's picks first, and then you listen to the podcast and they kind of break it down um, afterwards. So it's the, it's called 36 from the vault. So they'll go through the 36 uh, Dick's picks oh, uh, in great. order. Yeah. Um, I, Stephen Hyden's great. Shouts to Stephen Hyden, fellow Wisconsinite wrote the uh, hard to handle book with Steve Gorman. Have you read, have, oh, you, read the, have you read no. that book yet? No, but we've, I, I've, you've referenced it before. I didn't yeah, realize that that's who that it. was. Yep. That and, makes, uh, that makes sense why I liked him because I like yes. everybody from Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he uh or at least uh, half of them yeah exactly he very much um uh, you were used to write write for uh, excuse me used to write a music column and do reviews for the onion and av club mm. um mm. and so he's a very always been a very smart writer he's a great twitter follow um and yeah he's very midwestern but i've always liked his taste in music and uh he's good friends with uh, one of my good friends from back in madison and we have smart they have smart music conversations all the time we on, should on, on uh social we, media. Should, we should i doubt i don't doubt he's a panic fan but maybe we can get him on the show to talk at least sure well we've got yeah we've got it. we'll add him to the list he's easy he, yeah. he'll be a, he'll we'll be able to get him 
Well, I mean, he's Osiris family too. I mean, I think we can pretty much get any of those folks if we need to. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've had a lot of action. We've had Pelp. We've had uh, the fish. Uh, fish. Fish hasn't done their Mexico run yet, have they? No, they haven't. Uh, the the, the, the Den, Den, Den Company did, Den yeah. did theirs. The girls just wanna had theirs. I was at, that was at the same place as Panic, right? Like the following week, I think. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so there's been, you know, everybody's heading south. We've had the Grammys, which I'm sure you watched and were. Uh, I did mm-hmm. uh, watch it every because I, I like the live performances, but it was one of those one of those award shows that everything was so either mid tempo or piano ballady. So anything that wasn't that really stood out, even if it wasn't great. Um, but Lizzo was Lizzo. The uh, Tyler the Creator was weird, but it had uh, Charlie Wilson and Boyz II Men. Um, our, our our run DMC and Aerosmith could literally, I think, play, will be collaborating on Walk This Way until Steven Tyler just like keels over. I mean, it's amazing. Like you could, it is just the most. I don't even know how to describe it at this point. It's just absurd that this that mm-hmm. they still feel the need to do that. Um, but everything else is just kind of kind of meh. Um, and I know you're not a big pop music guy, but uh, no. But speaking of what, uh, which you got a hot take on the Super Bowl uh, halftime show? Oh yeah, I do. Actually, great segue. We didn't even talk about this. Um, it was amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. J Lo, fifty, Shakira, forty three, <sighs> just yeah. doing it. And it was. Um, I can say this because my wife says it. It was very crotch centric. Um, <laughs> However, uh, I, hadn't th- I hadn't heard of it put that way, but yeah, yeah it was pretty much. Uh, but uh, while I was sitting there's a st- uh, article on Raw Story, and the headline is Christian Activist Plans to Sue NFL Because Shakira and J-Lo Performances Endangered His Eternal, eternal Soul. Um, mm. So this is the quote. It's by this guy named Dave Daubenmeyer, who has a Pass the Salt podcast. I doubt he's on the Osiris family. Um, but he was afraid that the halftime show would prevent him from getting into the kingdom of heaven. So this is what he says. I think we ought to sue. Would that halftime show, would that have been rated PG? Were there any warnings that your 12-year-old son, whose hormones are just starting to operate, was there any warning Mm. that that what he was going to see might cause him to get sexually excited? Could I go Mm. into a courtroom and say, viewing what you put on that screen put me in danger of hellfire? Could the court say that doesn't apply here because the right to produce porn overrides your right not to watch it? Yeah, well, you didn't tell me I was going to watch it. You just brought it into my living room. You didn't tell me they were going to be crotch shots. That's discriminatory against the values I have in my house. You just can't do that. I want to sue them for $867 trillion. Um, so I have so many ways, so many things, so many things to say to this, but I will keep it to one that has been common in social media that I really 100% agree with everything in social media. Um, if this is really what folks are on a certain side of the political spectrum are going to get tight about, have they ever said anything about the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders? Have they ever said anything about cheerleaders in general? So I'll leave it at that. Um do they, if that's what they view as indecent, clearly they're not paying attention to anything that's happening in this country otherwise. And also, you can always just turn it off <laughs> if you don't want to mm-hmm. watch it. And I think yeah. just the concept of two talented, powerful, stunning uh, 
women of color just owning their bodies and owning their owning their careers and owning that stage on the, owning their performance on the largest stage that exists in the world just frightens the hell out of people and so i'm okay yeah. with that so kudos to you jayla and shakira because you made a fairly substantial por- way too large of a portion of of america very very nervous about where they stand well, that's a good, that's a good take. I can't, I can't add anything to that. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I, but, uh, I was happy with the results. Um, all the, yeah, I, well, yeah. I mean, I would say that the game wasn't super exciting, obviously until the last five minutes. And I was just glad that it wasn't the Packers crumbling. Um, right. Yeah. I, uh, I did enjoy the irony of the, this is the same refereeing crew, um, that screwed the Saints over in the playoff game last year, correct? Oh, I didn't know that. I think so. That's uh, that makes me feel really. Not, I don't <laughs> know, but I didn't realize that Kyle Shanahan was on the sideline <laughs> when the Falcons melted down. Yeah, he's that, I didn't uh, realize that he was on that stuff. Yeah, I think what good. The, uh, Stephen A. Smith was ranting on Monday, and I think I heard him say he's been outscored in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, forty to nothing. <laughs> Wow. There's, I, I stumbled upon a great video on YouTube that was a guy breaking down what if the Falcons had just taken a knee <laughs> after, I think it was at like 28-9 after the Patriots scored a touchdown and then kicked an onside kick and the Falcons recovered it, that if they had just kneeled it every, for every. the next 18, <laughs> every play, that they would have <laughs> won. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I will also, one more thing. The reason why I read this story is because of our good friend and friend of the pod, obviously, Jason Isbell. Um, I posted it on his Twitter, uh, retweeted it, and said, Hips don't lie, they send you to hell, in all caps. So, good one, Jason Isbell. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, well, Let's let's get to let's get to some panic. Uh, we've got some other. We can talk. We can go off topic uh, again. We have got a couple more things to hit on, but let's at least get. We got four shows to cover here. Um, let's get through some. So uh, so four nights at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Riviera Maya, Mexico. Um, the ninth annual Panic in the Playa. It's pretty crazy to think that they've been doing this for nine years. Um, Maybe maybe we should get down there one of these days. I think they can get they got they got press passes, podcasters. I don't know. We could try. Um, <laughs> I think I could maybe get. Uh, I think the only way I could ever get Jen near a panic show at this point <laughs> is if we were in some place like Riviera Maya. Yeah, where she could go to, you know, just like sit in a room or you know, have that close by, right, or have a pool close by if necessary. Um. So, uh, so four nights, they start off, uh, night one, uh, with, I mean, pretty, pretty solid, uh, you know, I guess first four songs to go, Lori's Guns and Money, Chili Water, Stop Go and Heaven, uh, to kick off the run. Um, definitely, definitely coming out swinging in the first set. Yeah. And they had the nice, uh, introduction from, uh, Steve Lopez welcoming everybody. And then the, uh explanation of home team and what that means and such. So, I mean, it's clear that it's, it's obviously a, there's new people that are attending, but it's probably a lot of, I wonder what the percentage of the crowd every year at, at Pelp are folks that go each and every year. 
Um, mm-hmm. So there's a much more of a you know recurring family vibe, which you know yeah. I guess be, that would be an interesting thing because we don't go to as many shows if we could if we talk to somebody that would like well, how you, many how many people are, are like on tour now other than z-man and no Curtis? right yeah no and i mean i would say that a lot of i don't know i mean i would say a there is a large percentage of the folks that go to help that don't do any other shows during the year i mean unless they're like you know local yeah. type things like that this is their their you know they pick one run to do every year and then they'd make it this one which is great i mean i would do that too what does uh what does your friend brian do what does he, he still goes to shows right yeah yeah i mean he so he's he's in nevada so he he mostly just hopes for for vegas halloween uh. runs you know and so he does those um and then he'll hit them at like in oakland or san francisco you know if they do that and so that's pretty much those are his those are his spots um yeah, I was the lawyer's opener was great. Uh Chili was strong, Sapko was nice heaven, like you said. The whole first set the first night was good. They started off really, really strong. And I mean how we feel we feel okay that like lawyers is now pretty much in yeah, the rotation. I mean, I think that was it was We got over yeah, that a while ago. I mean, we saw the I best mean, one, Harvey. And so yeah. they were just like you just live off of that. We're we're the old guys that just say, Do you even know what it was like? And then somebody will say, I was at ten thirty one ninety three. Do you even know what it was like? I'm like, No, I was It's yeah. It's like <laughs> did you really it's like the new new people are like, Did you know that time zones is more rare than lawyers guns and money? <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> oh my, I don't even know what I would do in a conversation where somebody comes, yeah, dude, that time zone's bust up. It's huge. <laughs> so, uh, so after having old neighborhood, which kind of goes with the theme, right? Uh, when they're talking about, uh, about the home team and then, uh, time zones, tall boy, Papa Legba and junior to, uh, to close out the first set. And, um, so that was pretty strong. And then, um, they kicked the second set off with, uh, a song that is that is that is rising on my instrumental favorites and that's a rumble um which is i'm happy to see maybe is in the rotation i don't know you know it was uh they played at red rocks last year and then new orleans last year and then now pelp so maybe this is one well, we'll see is there the a tour. rotation is there a rotation yeah. no I mean, no i guess you're not i guess i mean well I, I don't know. I guess in the catalog, right? I mean, I so mean they, they did they did hold true to the no repeats within three shows because they're uh, for the first night because Stop Go was the only was they played three shows ago. Okay, yeah. Technically, but they're also yeah. So let's see. They, obviously, they didn't repeat any songs during the during the run itself. Red Out Mama was three shows. Okay, Blackout Blues was two, but that's because they sound checked. Yeah, that doesn't count. When do so, we when did I mean, we start putting sound checks in the Everyday Companion? I feel I like know. I need I to. Dis- I totally disagree with that. Yeah, totally. It throws off all the stats. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not cool with that. Really, we have to have I mean, a call. Well, have to have a conference call with Ted. Yeah. To see if we can work this out. Um, I mean, I think you could. Put, you should, it should be a. It should be a, a a note on the twenty the first night. It'd be like sound yes. check on one twenty three was blank and blank. Mm-hmm. But where's the line if they play more than two songs? Say they play ninety minutes, is it still a sound check or is it a show? 
like 727, 73 for the day. Well, I mean, were 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 fans allowed in the venue? Yeah, there were they were, there was thousands and thousands of people there because they all showed up early for Watkins Glen. So when they sound checked mm-hmm. all the bands, they had like a full show. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, I don't know. But see, there, there's, a, there's, there's, there's always there's, a line, wait, but two songs, two songs on the night before the show, the run starts, it doesn't qualify. Agreed. Um, so Rumble, One Arm Steve, Sell, Sell, and then uh, Bears Gone Fish in Hatfield, and um, and then Marcus King comes out and uh, and blazes through one kind favor, Mr. Soul. Um, and can I say a few words about this? About yeah. Marcus? Yes. So this is soul. Um, one kind favor is an awesome song mm-hmm. to have a guest on mm-hmm. and, and markets fit in well. And obviously Mr. Soul is a song that other people have said in on over the years. Uh, Warren, maybe even did the great Gib Droll sit in on Mr. Mr. I think soul, probably probably did. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. But well, I do want to say something about Marcus King, how he is, I will say, uh, this generation's Warren Haynes. He's I think that's the, fair. He's going to be the sit-in guy. Just always around. Forward. He's just always going to be around. But I will say, have you heard his new record uh, with Dan Auerbach? Yeah, yes. I haven't listened to it as much as I want to, but it sounded, on the first spin, sounded very promising. Okay. See, I disagree with that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Dan Auerbach has done some pretty good things with artists that he's worked with. Um, if you haven't listened to the Yola record, mm. um, I highly recommend it because it's just a stunning record and she, she's amazing. The Dr. John record he did was fantastic. The Dr. Lockdowns were fantastic. Um, this one is sort of, I've never, under, I didn't, I don't understand the, I'm the Marcus King band. This is my band. This is my band. Guys, I'm going to go record a record with a different producer and y'all aren't going to play with me on it. But mm-hmm. when I go out on tour, I think you're still going to be my band. So I've never been a fan of that. I always find it super weird. And and I don't think that record really hits hits the mark. I find Marcus King he's very young, you know, and I think he'll probably, and he's very talented. I just hope that he, um, finds the niche that he's, that he's doing some good stuff. Cause this record's kind of boring and his live shows are well fine. Don't really do it for me. Hmm. Um, he does some interesting covers, he covers panic. So, um, but I just sort of like the sit-in. He's like the sit-in guy. He's just going to become the sit-in guy when Warren is no longer the sit-in guy because Warren is the king of the sit-in at this right. point. I mean, it's not. A, it's also, I mean, it's not something to be ashamed of. No, but it's like Warren did that record uh, on Stacks. Actually, um, was it Man? It's not Man on the Moon, but it's a uh, Man in Motion. Man in Motion, which mm-hmm. is not that great. Um, and it's sort of like, I did a solo record, but it kind of goes, eh. And then he goes back to the mule and does his mule stuff. I feel like that's where Marcus King is. It just, that record, the new one just doesn't do it for me. So. Okay. Um, and right. I have a new, and this is for Bob. Bob, this is for you. I have a real issue with any musician or any band that has a song called Booby Stank. That's not Hooba Stank. <laughs> All right. Um, 
And then uh, after after Marcus leaves, I feel like, um, and maybe I don't know that I've listened to this, but on the set list, kind of a kind of a kind of a letdown set closer. <laughs> Thought sausage radio child climb to safety. Thought sausage is definitely in that radio child category of songs, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Either I think you're either really going to like it or you really don't. But I think for a lot of people, it's definitely a. Eh. Because it doesn't change; it's just the same thing. Like, yeah. it, but it's just never—it's never changed the entire time it's been. I feel like it's a song that would benefit from from less um, play. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, if it was a little less common, that it would be a little more welcome. Was, the title is terrible. Oh, fair, uh, but I, that, have, I have no issue with climb to safety. So. Okay. Um, but I feel like they make up for it pretty well with the uh, the encore, which is actually I have listened to that and I mm-hmm. thought it was really, really, really well executed. Uh, Low spark, tire shoes, low spark. Have they done the? They've done the low spark tire shoes before. Is that a one two ninety eight thing? No, that is a. It's close. That is a low spark. Time is free. Low spark. Ah, okay. Yes, it is. Close. So it is close. Yeah. The no cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, it's very good. First night was really strong. Uh, maybe ten seventeen oh one at the Schnitzer Hall in Portland, Oregon. Ah, there they you go. Close the set um, with low spark tire shoes, low spark. So, all right. There you go. Some real time follow up. Um. All right, so that is the first night. And you picked out a couple things to play from that, the uh, the opener, and then the segment with uh, with Marcus King. So, um, anything before we get to that? No, I think we should uh, we should just let the music speak for itself. All right, here we go. One twenty four twenty from Panic in the Playa Nueve. Thank you. 
Texas King All right, that was two sections from night one of Panic in the Playa. We started with the opener from the first night, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, uh, Chili Water, and Stop Go. And then two songs from the second set with Mr. Marcus King, One Kind Favor, and Mr. Soul. So um, we'll move on to night two, which is January 25th. And um, another fantastic opener. I mean, I would be uh, pretty happy to see a, uh, after a Lawyers, Guns, and Money opener, you get a Sharon opener and then a Greta Worry stone me after that. So um, the boys definitely dialing it in early uh, in these shows. Interesting stone me placement, like middle, yeah. <laughs> mid set. That's kind of a semi rarity, I think. And then- well, kind of, it's kind of like where they had heaven in the first night in that fourth slot yeah, after yeah. a big one, two, three. So. Look at you, set list analysis. Um, And then Send Your Mind in kind of an old school place and Mm -hmm. mid-first set. Um, And then a really nice uh, set closer. What are your feelings on Tail Dragger? Are you a fan of that song? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Jimmy gets pretty crunchy with it. It's good. Um, I mean, I feel like these are, this is, that's one of those songs. And I mean, you know, so this is about as critical of the band as I get. Is it I mean, and I think it's completely understandable. I don't know. Their songwriting has not been uh, as good since, since Hauser died than it was before. And so I think it's good that they're supplementing with some of these covers that, you know, aren't maybe as well known that, um, that fit in with their style. And I think this, this goes well there. Uh, yeah, I agree. And actually, I think you, I think I have a text from you saying uh, that Ball is the best post Hauser record. Prove me wrong, <laughs> and um, and I, you, I, you, I can't prove you wrong. I think it's the, the original songs have sort of have have not been as strong overall. But I think even the Ball record with George is the best post Hauser record by far. Can um, um, I, this may be a topic for another day, but. Um, so there are two songs on that album, Monstrosity and Nebulous. They were both like heavy rotation songs in the George era that have not been played since he left the band. So I think obviously they're either his songs or he had a large hand in writing them. Um, I mean, isn't it time? Like those are good songs. Like why are like, can we not let's, let's move on guys Let's bring them back. You can, you know, you can use, you could use a couple of new, new songs to play. Uh, I agree. I think they should bring George and George back for a sit-in sometime. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm curious to know if there's any animosity. Oh, I'm certain there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I guess it's it was George's shot, and uh, mm-hmm. he shot it as best he could. And, you know, it didn't work out long-term for him, but I hope he made some money. I hope he was able to put it away. He's still out doing his Kudzu Kings thing. I think. So. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, um, yes, it's time. It's time to bring songs like that back. Cause you're right. I think, and you know, I just don't know. And I'm sure there are people out there that know better, um, you know, how much of those songs were written with Hauser in mind, um, as opposed to George and how many of them were, were written. Yeah. But I mean, I think those, those two seem like they were pretty much up George's alley. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like Herring would crush those songs too. I mean, they're big, loud guitar songs. Um, 
I don't know. I agree. I, I agree. All right. That was a digression. Um, so second set, um, Henry Parsons died, which I think is a really, that's a fun spot for that song. Um, I get it. It fits well. As an, I mean, it's obviously a classic closer, but I think it, it's fun in that opening slot uh, into busted big, which I guess is going to be, is always a guarantee um, panic in the playa uh, track. Um, and then, uh, and then mercy with, with a nice, really, really exploratory jam after it. And into bow legged into blight, which is a really nice one, two, three. And then they uh, close it out with Arlene and then uh, Reverend Je- Jerry Joseph um, comes out for come together and chainsaw city um, come together was, so that was the first time it had been played since May of 2018. So 67 shows. Um, and now only the third time ever played with, um, with Jimmy Herring. Um, it was played, what, three, six, seven times in 2005 and then put on the shelf. Um, what, uh, I didn't feel like the come together was, was all, uh, <laughs> it didn't come together. It didn't really come together for me. It yeah. seemed a little, a little disjointed. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't just me. No, you're okay. definitely correct on that one. But, uh, Chainsaw City was fun. And I think, you know, I always enjoy, uh, I'm in the pro Jerry Joseph camp and uh, always enjoy when he sits in, uh, especially when he does his songs. Uh, Noncore was uh, Red Hot Mama and, and Blackout, which they, they sound checked with Blackout, so you know, they could have at least not played it during the set since it's an official show, apparently. According to Everyday Companion, yeah. uh, but a good second night, not as strong as the first night. I think the mo- the Mercy Bowlegged Blight was at least the highlight for me. Um, that jam between Mercy and, and Bowlegged was, was is, is pretty pretty strong. I remember when I sat down to listen to the show, it said Mercy came up and it was five minutes long. Again, I know that's timing as created by. Z-Man, but it's like five minutes. God, what a short mercy. And then it gets to the jam. It's like, oh, that's where it all went. Um, yeah, there's the rest of it. Yeah, there's the rest of it. Uh, um, but it was, it was pretty good. And like you said, exploratory, a little dark, which is which is how mercy and bow-legged should be. Um, I felt like, uh, I mean, I don't know, but I'd have money on on the gold guitar for this mercy and jam because it just it felt like it was a little more delicate, you know, and mellow. It seems like that's generally... Uh, tied to that gold guitar it was a really nice build up without getting going over the top yeah. so i dug that cool did you notice the uh the i trust i trusted you tease and busted big <laughs> I, I did it's just gonna I keep, love it it's just gonna keep yeah, showing up forever yeah. i hope it does it's so it's so cool it's such a neat little inside joke and like head nod you know what i mean yeah. um good stuff so um all right, so we're gonna play. Uh, what are we gonna play, Jeff? We're gonna play the Mercy Jam Blow Legged Blight. Yeah, a little bit from that. So, okay, let's do that. Middle of the second set from night two, January twenty fifth, twenty twenty, Panic in La Playa. Thank you. 
Alright, second night of Panic in La Playa, La Playa, Nueve, January 25th of 2020. Uh, middle of the second set, Mercy into a very substantial jam, and a bow-legged into Blight. Um, like I said, definitely one of the strongest uh, portions of this show. Uh, and, but I think overall, not as good as the first night. First night was pretty strong, and uh, getting into the third night... Uh, I will admit the third night is probably the. Sh- is, I have, I did not listen to all of it, but I listened to the first set uh, again today and the Holden Green Puff Holden just because like a split Holden. Mm. Um, so the momentum is it's interesting, you know. It's sort of the it's the typically over the run you see the momentum build, but they started off pretty strong, and I definitely think it sort of started to wane a little bit. Mm. Um, I may I mean might be. But uh, I the, feel like I, I haven't listened to much of this either. You definitely, if you look at the um, the stats, song stats, it, it ha- definitely has the most like songs with the uh, ten or more last time played uh, stats. Um, it's definitely the most unique set list, and it's got some cool stuff in there. Um, but that doesn't say anything about the playing, you know. Um, but I would be happy to see that set list for sure. Yeah, I thought the uh, – um, every time I see Surprise Valley, I think about your semi-dislike for that song. I was a mm-hmm. semi-dislike for that song, I guess. Um, but it was – yeah, it was – I mean, not terrible, certainly, but it just was a little – the second set was pretty strong. Yes, the set list was great, but it def- I think it was intensity-wise and performance-wise not the strongest of the four nights. Okay. Um, so if you don't know, I completely ignored it. Right. Clearly. So we're not going to play anything from this show, but I'll, I'll run through the set list. Um, first set is make sense to me. Can't get high. You should be glad. Pusher man, second skin, B of D Jack show on the road. Coconut. Um, that's an, it's a nice, I mean, it's a pretty nice set really. I mean, not a whole lot of, um, weak set, weak spots. Um, and then a second set, like you said, Holden Oversoul, Cream Puff, or Holden Oversoul. And then uh, Impossible, Good Morning Little Schoolgirl, uh, Imitation Leather Shoes, Gimme, Good People with a Dark Bar, Surprise, Drums, Surprise, and then Ride Me High North to close things out. And then uh, a nice encore with For What It's Worth, Honeybee, going uh, so fast there with the with the covers. Um and then we move on to the final night, and um, what uh, you have any any overarching takes on this? So I listened to this show from start, you listened to some of this live, right? I did from start to nearly finish, and actually I did listen to the whole thing. Holy smokes, I did, um, and I listened to it on my uh, Bluetooth headphones. Harp believe it or not. Mm, wow. Um, they work remarkably well with my 14.4 dial-up internet. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty amazing. You must, there must be some special drivers for the Windows 95 to get the Bluetooth to I work. Mean, or, Harvey, okay. I live in Memphis. There's a guy for everything here in Memphis. And, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a dial-up guy if you need dial-up. Um, yeah. 
And so I listened to a lot of this show and Harvey, believe it or not, I didn't just sit still the entire time that I listened to it. You, wow. You, you, you folded and unfolded your arms. I did. <laughs> I, I did. Um, dude, yeah, that could go on a whole long tangent about that, but, um, the show was really good. I really liked the pigeons going at West opener. Um, first set was, was pretty strong driving, disco driving. There's no complaints ever with that. Um, the party at your mama's house at the start of the second set is really good. Um, yeah. And that's a nice combo with the yeah. stop breaking down all this, all the slide playing super clean. Um, you know, I think just this J J whatever sound gets transmitted through the, uh, through the online stream is just, I, I really, I, you know, I need to go to a show because I want to hear how it sounds live because it sounds really interesting to me. Um, the Pilgrims is good. And then, man, the big Willie Love Tractor was just, for some reason, just struck me. At, I don't know hmm. what was going on, but it was it was strong. And I think part of it was, and I texted a friend that listens to Panic, not named Harvey. And it was like, it just was the most fun it just struck me as fun and yeah. just like this band is just having fun at this point. There's, there's, how can there be pressure at this point for, for this band? No, especially at, you know, night four of a four night run on the beach in Mexico. Yeah, and then, you know, and, and, and that shows during the encore with the, 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 the banter before, um, uh, end, end, of, the end show. of the show. And just like, mm-hmm. it's just loose and like, they got nothing to prove anymore. And yeah, they're playing in front yeah. of family at, 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 at Panic and La Playa. And they're playing it, frankly, they're playing in front of family and old friends. Like, seems like most of the most of the shows that they're doing now based on that mm-hmm. setup. And uh, so there's just a looseness, but God, it was just really well played and super fun. And, and, you know, I think it was funny because I was enjoying it and my wife couldn't hear anything. Else. She just kept looking at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I've never, never seen you act like this before. Silent, it was silent disco in our house. Um, Pop, Papa's Rock Papa was was again really really strong and inspired some inspired slide. Wrangler was good, and then the uh, uh, weak brain, weak brain, and sympathy with Ivan Neville on both songs, and that's a special guest on uh, on sympathy. Uh, really. Sympathy, it's just, again, it's like the looseness of it. Was it as crisp as, as what we've heard in the past for either of those songs? No, but still super enjoyable. And I think just sort of, again, if Sympathy for the Devil, even with the darkness of the message, can be a fun song. It made it fun. Yeah. Um, it's cool that, I mean, I feel like Wake, you know, my, my, um, my memories of Weak Brain is like a regular first set appearance from 1997, you know, and like, but it really ever after that, it became a, you know, somewhat rarity. And, um, you know, I think maybe more recently has become more of a, a second set, although I think it still shows up a lot in the first set, but you know what I mean? It's a little more of a cornerstone type song than it used to be uh, back in the day. So that's cool. Cause I like it. It's a good song. It's a song that always, I think had more potential than maybe with the band, uh, either believed that it had or could have done, I think they always could have done more with it because it's got, 
all the elements. It's got a really nice JoJo intro. It's got a good groove. There's a shot for a break. Like it, it certainly could have. I think it could have been a like you like you said. It was definitely a first set song. It could have been a mid second set. You know, into drums, out of drums thing more often. Where could have gotten a little more love and maybe a little uh, extension. Um, as I look at the every time played, I see that I saw the only ever encore performance of uh, Weak Brain Narrow Mind uh, what, nine, from nine, uh, twelve. nine twelve ninety seven from the Taft Weak Brain Traveling Light. Ah, yeah, there you go. Not even so, a fl- not uh, even a flip the bird. No, no. Well, maybe for uh, you because you don't like Traveling Light, right? Yeah, no. I mean, honestly, that was I was probably pretty disappointed that <laughs> night. But now in hindsight, I was like, ah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good encore. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Half halfway decent. Um, and then speaking of encores, though, the, uh, this fourth night definitely not a flip the bird encore. Yeah, I don't think you can do. There's no such thing as a four song. <laughs> flip the bird encore. Well, we have to come. I'd have to work hard to I find think we that. Could I come up with it. Uh, old Joe. Uh huh. Let's see. Old Joe song for Satara. Uh, that doesn't count. They haven't played that for. Him. Uh, I could. Saint Saint X can't get high. Ain't life grand. <laughs> yeah, Old Joe can't get high. Ain't life grand. And uh, yeah. I think the old Joe reprise. One, one arm, Steve, maybe. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah, there you go. Four songs, flip the bird on her right there. What would people do? I think they wouldn't care. They would just be. Yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah, it's a bonus. Um, I guess. But no, in reality, this encore was not that. It was postcard end of the show, last dance support song. The uh, I love the end of the show just because it's it says and. It's, it says on Companion, false start to end of the show. It's like, okay, you're giving them credit for the false start. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was a little loose, we shall say. And, you know, well, you, so, you can hear JB say, I never played this on a guitar before. Right. And so I went back and listened. So he, they must not have brought the mandolin down yeah. to Mexico because he didn't play it on Eight Life Grand either. Oh, okay. um, and uh, so. It's interesting that they would have chosen to even play it, but yeah. And so then after that, he's like, "Jimmy, uh, get it, get it started for us," <laughs> and uh, has to sort of follow him from there. And uh, and then it's it's fine once that once they kind of get going, it's pretty cool. But I mean, I definitely miss the mandolin. I think the mandolin adds a nice little texture. But um, yeah, it's funny to that was fun. They were obviously having a good time at the end. Is it a? Here's another question. Begs larger conversation, but I'll ask it anyway. Is it, and this is more about us, Harvey, it's an existential question question about our podcast, actually. Mm. Mm. Is Does it matter, is it all significant for us to be critical about this band at this juncture in its existence? Is it, what was the first, what was the question? Is it what for us to do that? Is it, does it matter? Like, does it matter that we sort of, we're judging the performance of this band at this point in its existence. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> um, no, it obviously does not. I don't think it matters at all that we do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously they're going to do whatever they want to do. But it, it is sort of like a, uh, there is a difference between critiquing something that's that in this era of the band and even probably within the Herring era, except for the, maybe the first couple of years when, Certainly. Yeah, versus looking back in the past and, yeah. and 
And it's a sort of more of a historic. Uh, yeah. Okay. I see that. I mean, um, add, I mean, there's, we have more context for things in certain parts of it, but also we've got this, um, it was a different band too, right? I mean, so it's almost like you're talking about something that didn't that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, well, we are talking about something that doesn't exist, right? Like actually, no, ver- exist. right? I mean, versus talking about them right now, right? Because they're still doing these things. Um, so, so hmm. I don't know. Did I just open up? Like, did I break the fourth wall? Like, I really oh, totally did. We're, okay. we're not going to be able to do any more new shows. <laughs> It's all part of my master plan, Harvey. To yeah, try to get back to it. Yeah. To After episode to 100, we just go back to 02 and earlier. That's it. <laughs> well, anyway, I just, it was, it's sort of, um, it's just the band is different. The, the, the shows are different. The songs are different. You know, the crowd, I think, is probably a little different too. And it is funny when I run into people here that have seen Panic. Um, before it was, you know, you'd run in, you can kind of trace it over the last, you know, since Hauser, right? Like, oh yeah, I saw shows when I was in college or they came to my school or yeah, I went to Halloween or I went to Red Rocks or whatever it might be. And then it went like kind of skipped over the George thing when Herring started. And now it's like, I talk to people, it's like, oh yeah, I saw them in Memphis or I saw them here in Mud Island or saw them here. And now it's just like, nobody, I've yet to, talk to somebody that other than a couple of close friends that have seen them recently because they haven't been close, which is a really weird thing because hmm. uh, they've always been wherever I've lived. They've always have played close at some point in time for an extended period of time. So anyway, right. I just, it was interesting. I uh, had dinner with a, a Mississippi state faculty member who was in town for a lecture last week and he was at the Huntsville, uh, Starkville and Huntsville shows in 99, mm. um, which is funny because I said the only time I've been in Starkville was for, for Panic. And he's like, was I at that? I think I was at that show. Is that the show that everybody got rowdy and crowd surfed and like threw stuff at the band? I was like, yeah, that's the show where somebody threw a bean bottle at schools. And he said, if you're in throw it, at least have, make sure there's something in it. Mm. He's like, I think that's the last time I saw him. And then I said, yeah. And then we drove to Huntsville the next day. He's like, ah, I think I was there too. <laughs> it just looked <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's always a weird thing when you talk to folks who don't quite remember if they were at shows. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess so. I guess like maybe because it's a it's a more finite resource today. Is there um, is there less of a need to be hypercritical of it? Right. That it you know that we can just enjoy it for what it is. Be happy that it still exists. Uh, and not get into the minutia of, you know, a, a 30 night tour, you know, through 15 states and over a month and a half. Right. I think that's completely true. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's these, I guess I, tr- I mean, I look at each. Oh, maybe we should just shut it down, Jeff. I feel like <laughs> what are we even doing here? Like I said, get to a hundred episodes and just be done. It was an existential question. But no. I, I think the uh, I think you're right. Is I just view each of these runs that they do, whether it's three nights, four nights, five nights, whatever it is, is like these. They're just things unto themselves, and they're all they all have a little bit different feel to them. The crowd obviously is a little bit different. You know, I th- every everything has a different vibe. Like the Riverside shows in Milwaukee have its own set of have its own vibe at this point. Mm-hmm. 
obviously Panic in the Playa does. Like the Beacon's going to be really interesting for five nights. Yeah. Um, There's three nights uh, at the Ryman were, were its own thing too, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that that's just something different, at least for us, that we've not. And I think just sort of adjusting to the fandom of this band. Maybe. May, then maybe what we need to to do is start uh, incorporating some some like you know uh, man on the street type you know maybe no I mean just like start hearing from people that are at the shows because I mean I think that maybe is a, a large part of what's happening now you know more so than uh, going back and and breaking. Uh, breaking down set lists or, you know what I mean? Uh, specific passages of music and more about the experience uh, being there. So I'm totally going to call this up when I write the liner notes, I'm totally going to call this episode. Why do we exist? <laughs> what does it all mean? <laughs> what, what does it all mean, man? Uh, well, anyway, uh, overall, I think it was a good help. Um, Oh, do we still have to play Night 4 stuff, right? Oh, we yeah, haven't we done do. that. Sorry, yet. we have to. Yeah. We wanted to play. Uh, so, the Big Willie Mammoth Love Tractor that yeah. got you uh, dancing uh, in silent disco. And then, um, and then uh, the, the closer, the Weak Brain Sympathy with all the guests. So, let's get to that and then we'll come back and, and wrap things up.
course, Nick and Blue and Ben Finnegar. Red.
from the final night of Panic in the Playa Nueve, January 27th, 2020. Uh, from the second set, uh, really great Big Willie Man with the Love Tractor. And then right at the close of the second set, Weak Brain, Narrow Mind with Ivan Neville on keyboards. And then Sympathy for the Devil with Andy Avila on percussion, Ben Vinograd on percussion, Ivan Neville on keyboards, percussion, vocals, Mickey Bloom on vocals. Steve Lopez on percussion and Terrence Higgins on percussion. Uh, it's like they just cleared out a whole whole couple, two, three suites you know, <laughs> on stage with them. Um, but super fun, great way to end the uh, to end the run. And we talked about the encore already, encore already postcard into the show, and then last dance into porch song. And uh, I think uh, people are really going to be excited and looking forward to the beacon here. In yeah. It looks like it was a it was a great run as per usual, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do at the beacon. So um, I assume we'll see some guest appearances, maybe, but uh, uh, yet to be seen. So um, so yeah, so thanks for joining us. Um, check us out on all the uh, social media platforms, uh, Twitter and Facebook, and send us emails. Um, gotten some really good feedback recently, and and that helps. Sometimes, you know, it's tough to, to get motivated to, to do these things when life gets in the way, as you can hear with our conversations about dryers and, <laughs> and whatnot. But, um, but we appreciate all the, you know, everybody that listens and um, it makes it worthwhile. So uh, keep that coming. And um, yeah, so we're, uh, um, we're two episodes away from 100. Or one episode yeah. from 100. So I don't know what we've got planned for 99, but we've got... Well, so 99, we haven't done the Jupiter Coyote episode yet. So I'm going to do that oh, for yeah. 99. Okay. So the uh, so conversation with Jupiter Coyote, uh, New Year's in Charlotte. And, and I got a, a tape of that show. So we'll play a couple, I'll play a couple clips from that show. And Did then, you uh, tape it yourself? No, I did not. Uh, no. I thought about it, but then I was like, hey, this is a New Year's and I just don't want to deal with that. With your uh, um, Rode NT9 into Minidisc? <laughs> no, it's an it's an NT4. And, <laughs> and I've got, I have like a Zoom uh, recorder now. So I can, uh, it's a little, okay. bit, a little bit better than the Minidisc, but nice. um, no, but somebody else is recording. So um I got that. So we'll do that for episode 99 and then, um, we'll, uh, maybe we'll, I'll talk a little bit in episode 99 about what's coming in episode hundred. So we got some special content for, for everybody. Yeah. Episode uh, 99 will be a Harvey solo production, right? Yeah, I think so. I've got some, some travel coming up, but I'll try and squeeze something in. Um, probably be, probably get it out in, uh, late February. I'd say around Mardi Gras time. Excellent. And uh, yeah, episode 100. And then uh, once we get to 100, if we've uh, this existential crisis has passed, (laughs) uh, we'll we'll keep going. going. I think we need to, uh, we definitely need to do an episode in March about the uh, March. Spring 95. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's your homework now is we need to start uh, digging through that and finding and, uh, the stuff we, we want to see talk if, about. Uh, Jacko Pierce, somebody from Jacko Pierce is available for, uh, for, for an interview. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm going, I'm going to go see real world earth. So maybe I could talk to uh, Todd Schaefer from, from good homes. Cause I know they opened some shows in, in March of 95. There you go. Look at that. We, should, we just have all the, uh, if we could find somebody from God street line and, uh, yeah. Low Faber maybe. Yeah. Um, 
Um, Patrice Pike from Sister Seven. Uh, that would be. A- she she just released a record. Um, I just saw this uh, like a month ago with the guy, the guitarist from Little Sister uh, or Sister Seven, and just like a, a duo record and sort of back to her roots. Um, I forget his name, but it's like Patrice Pike and some dude. Um, and what the stuff I heard was pretty good. So I should check that out. Um, but I've got some good shows coming up. I'm excited. I've got uh, tomorrow night as we record this, uh, Billy Strings here in Lexington. Uh, uh, sold out show at Manchester Music Hall. And then... Uh, uh, I'm bummed I can't. I'm going to miss that. Yeah. So... Um, That'll be fun. And then uh, Sturgill and Tyler Childers coming up at the end of the month at Rupp Arena. Um, and the aforementioned Railroad Earth Show, which I think is the weekend before that. And um, and then I'm, I'm going to be in D.C. in March and the JGB with Melvin Seals and John Kay are playing uh, in D.C. while I'm there. So I think I'm going to go check that out. Nice. So... Uh good tunes on the horizon for me anything for you uh well i think sturgill in march i'm looking at tickets right now and we just got wilco tickets today for um they're playing at the love and shell in march or in april which is exciting it's going to be mid-tempo as all get out and uh, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, it'll be if, mid-tempo. If you're lucky, if it's, if it's mid-tempo, uh, it's just, oh, God, that's a whole other episode. Um, and uh, I think there's probably a couple other things coming up. we got some good uh, good shows booked at the Stacks Museum that we're pretty excited about. Mm. Um, the Everybody, anybody in Memphis, go check that out. Yeah, I'll uh, talk when we get closer, when we do our... Uh, 25th anniversary of uh, March 95. I'll, I'll talk about those shows a little more because we'll be pretty close to that. But uh, uh, And then yeah. uh, late, April, late April, I'm going to the, uh, the Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville for uh, uh, J Rad. Yeah. First time seeing them. Uh, so. Are they in town the same week? When is that? Is that like the last weekend? That April? is, yeah, 424, 425. The that's truckers a, the are truckers at the are Ryman yeah. on Saturday. So J Rad's Friday. Um, and truckers are on Saturday. Also, Larkin Poe. I don't know if you know them. I do. They're, they're uh, going to be in Memphis in March. They're at. Uh, they're going to be at Brooklyn Bowl the night after J Rad. So we were going to. We were thinking about doing both, um, bringing the kids down and getting an Airbnb and finding a babysitter for the for Friday and Saturday night. But truckers at the Ryman sounds really fun too. So do I don't like, know. Do you like the new record? Uh, you know, I haven't given it a full, I think I've listened to maybe the first three or four tracks and it sounded really good. I haven't, but I haven't given it a full, a full attention. Yeah. Uh, listen, what about, have you? Uh, yeah, we just, uh, listened to it in the car the other day, um, all the way through yeah. and it's, it's fine. It's not, it's, I don't like it as much as American band. I don't think it's as good as okay. American band. Well, that, that was a good record. So. It's a really good record. Um, you know, I think for me, it's like, it's one thing to be angry and pissed off and worried and scared about what's going on. But I think what I loved about American Band was it channeled it into a, it was channeled in such a way that it was angry. <laughs> and um, this one is, it's an, I mean, it's an angry record, but it's very like down. It's it's mm, there's only yeah well that's kind well, of where no, we are but you know I mean Armageddon's back in yeah. town is a really great song Patterson I think wrote 
most, if not the whole thing. So there's very few Coolie songs. Yeah, that's a little bit of a drag. Um, so you know, I think. I it, mean, not that Patterson wrote it, but just I would no, always I, more it's just, But it's just different. You know, the dynamic is certainly mm-hmm. different, and I think that the record maybe suffers a little bit from not having more of Coolie, Coolie's influence. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'll give it some to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. So are y'all gonna are y'all gonna try to do the Ryman or? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, uh, I wish okay. that they would just come to Memphis since they used to live here and all, but maybe, maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll give the record some more listens and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure this is maybe our longest episode of all time. So um, it can't. Well, well, because yeah, Bob. Sorry, I got the, you changed the format on me. I thought we weren't doing yeah. like, the full on uh, long clips anymore. So yeah. No, and I, we appreciate your feedback. If what everybody thought about was that last episode we did with the uh, the New Year's, I think it was. Um, if anybody liked that better than the full uh, playing the full segments, uh, appreciate any feedback. So, all right. Well, uh, until next time, um, we'll. Uh, I guess the next time we'll talk, Jeff, will be uh, episode one hundred. So we'll talk then. All right. Sounds good. Cheers, everybody.
So did I tell you, Quincy had the flu? Yes. But I think did, I, did I tell you about how he learned how he had the flu? No. So he, so we went to, um, so he, we got a call from after school on Tuesday and it was like, Quincy just threw up and he's got a fever of 101. I was like, okay, well, I'll be there in 15 minutes when I get off work. So get him home and he's like, you know, doesn't feel great, but he's mostly okay. So then the next morning, call in, make an appointment, go see the pediatrician. He has had a ton of strep throat recently, and um, and that's how it generally presents itself with the vomiting and the fever. And so that was what I thought it was. So we take him to the pediatrician, and um, they do the strep test, and it comes back negative, which is great. And, uh, and he has like, you know, he's like 99 fever. And, um, so the, the doctor's like, it's probably just some kind of viral thing that, um, you know, the throw up and whatever. So, um, you know, just fluids and, you know, he should be fine in a couple of days. It's like, okay. So we go home, we, uh, we work on the dryer a little bit (laughs) and then, um, and then like in the afternoon he, uh, he goes and lays down on the sofa and like, goes takes a nap and i'm like okay well whatever he never does that like he always wants to watch tv or whatever but he went and took a nap it's like oh that's great so then he wakes up and um he comes up to like help me with the dryer and he's like uh i don't feel good i was like okay he like goes and lays on his bed and like then gets his like throw up bucket and puts it in his lap and i'm like and he's just like basically moaning just like in misery and I touch his head and I was like, Oh my God, he's on fire. And I like take his temperature and it's like 103.8. Oh, and I was like, okay. I was like, why didn't they test for flu when we were at the pediatricians? I mean, because the flu is fucking everywhere around here mm-hmm. right now. And, um, so I like call the pediatrician. It's like four forty-five. I'm like, can we set an appointment for like first thing tomorrow to come in and do a flu test? And she's like, well, we don't take appointments for the next day. So just call us when we open. I'm like, oh, you suck. <laughs> um, and I mean, and what stinks too is like, they're like a practice with like five doctors and there's like two that we really like and neither of them were available that morning. And that's why we saw some random dude that we had never seen before. And, um, so then I took him to the like little clinic at Kroger and, um, which is like a little, you know, like urgent treatment kind of place. And, um, 
oh man, he was so miserable. And I was like, we just need a, a flu test and basically a Tamiflu. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what he's got. And uh, so we get there at like 5.30 and she's like, so we've got an appointment, you know, at six, like we can probably get you in by 6.30. I'm like, okay. So I'm just going to sit here with this sick kid for an hour. And then the nurse comes back like 10 minutes later. She's like, this lady over here that had the appointment at six said she can, that you, you can go in front of her. And I was like, that is so nice. And I like turned to the lady. I'm like, thank you so much. And like called Rachel and I was like, this is why we live in Kentucky. Is it this like nice old lady saw our miserable child and was like, I can wait another half hour. You know, why don't you take care of them first? Yeah. So, um, so that was pretty awesome. And, um, but anyway, so we get in and yeah, obviously he's positive for flu and, you know, we go, have to wait at the CV because then Kroger's out of Tamiflu. They don't have oh, Tamiflu geez. at the Kroger. <laughs> they were at, so we have to go to CVS and it takes like an hour to wait for the fucking Tamiflu. So it was a fun day with, uh, with dad and Quincy, but we finally got him set up with the, with the meds and he's feeling better now, but I was so pissed that we went to the damn pediatrician and they didn't, you know, it's like he, it would have been like 12 hours earlier that he would have been on Tamiflu if they had just tested him. Like, what are you doing? Not testing kids for flu. And they come in with a fever and throw up. It's like, 